Praise God. Praise God. What a wonderful presence, a wonderful presence of the Lord. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how that when He's lifted up, when the Lord is magnified, that it creates such a peaceable environment, welcoming. Wow. I love this environment. My God. It's more than just raw power, but it's the peaceable presence of the Almighty. God of creation, the one who heals, delivers, transforms us into his image and likeness. Adam was created in the image of God after sin. All offspring is created in the image and likeness of fallen man, Adam. That's why we need to be born again, to come into his image, his likeness, his character, and have the power to transcend our natural state, our sin-stricken condition. It's so wonderful to be here today. Brother and Sister Stubblefield, would you stand? Brother Charles and Sister Kay Stubblefield, a.k.a. the biscuit maker. Anybody in here besides me, you've tried Sister Kay Stubblefield's biscuits. Look at that. Oh, my. Look at that. I know you have, Brother Powell. What a treat they are. What a treat and a treasure they are to the body of Christ and to this assembly. I was informed that they're going to be leaving soon, possibly Wednesday, making their way back to the moderate weather of Ohio. <laughs> but we will miss you, and we want to acknowledge you and say in Jesus' name, God bless you and be strengthened and go under the guidance and governance of the Lord himself. To make it to your destination in peace. May you prosper as you continue seeking him and his kingdom. We're going to miss you. We love you. Why don't we put our hands together for the stubble fields. That's my, that's my new fishing mentor. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's turn into the word of the Lord and let's just look 
for a few moments into the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 1. We're excited that our Foundation of Life classes have launched again today. I believe we have started level 1 and level 2. Level 1 deals with your knowledge of God. Level 2 deals with the knowledge of who you are. Level 3 deals with knowing how to please Him. So we thank the Lord for raising up ministers and teachers to teach what we need to learn. Listen, you can have Jesus Christ himself as your teacher. But if you don't learn, that's not his fault. It's your fault. If you don't grow, it's because you did not make the decision to grow. Tell someone, I choose to grow. I choose to stay committed. Growth takes commitment. Growth takes commitment. And thank you for being committed to growth. In the beginning, God caused all things to grow, they didn't even have a choice. But the Bible tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Growth is our choice in response to his command. In the book of Genesis, we find that God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was void and without form. We read that God said, let there be, and there was. We continue reading. The words of God, the things that God released from himself so that there would be creation. God loosed light into an atmosphere, a universe from within himself, for God is light. God is the ultimate creator. And we read the account in Genesis chapter 1 that describes and details for us what he actually create created. He created the earth and the heavens. He created light. He also created an atmosphere. He created water. We have oceans, seas, lakes, ponds, streams, and rivers. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. He created soils, plants, trees, fruit, resources, animals, and he also created the perfect environment. Adam and Eve didn't need any clothes because they were in the perfect climate that God created. 
God created the perfect environment. You heard about it. I shared a little bit last week or two ago. The Bible tells us that, interestingly, God planted a garden. Isn't that interesting? God himself planted a garden. How many of you guys are gardeners? Anybody? Uh, Do we have some wannabes? (laughs) Your garden is just, you threw out the scripture there. Some, some scraps, and there happen to be some watermelon seeds in there. And <laughs> a few months later, you have a sprout there of a potential watermelon. That's our idea of a garden. But God was very caring and, 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 and very careful, very uh, strategic in how he constructed this garden. He planted the perfect paradise, the garden this perfect environment, and he said, after each act and manifestation of his creation, he said, it is good. That means this pleases me. And I noticed in Scripture that, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, we mentioned this a few days ago, and I was wondering, you know, Lord, you really want me to, to talk about this, and I guess I guess he did. And, and, and what he showed me is I created the perfect environment for my perfect creation. Man. Notice that God didn't create man and then the environment. God created the environment, the climate, the atmosphere. And everything that man would need to have provision and protection, to be able to reproduce, God provided that perfect environment before he created man. And when he created man, he said, it is very good. But it would not have been very good if it hadn't already been good. Praise God. So we read and can clearly see that God is concerned with environment. He didn't put them in the North Pole, but He, but he put them in a safe place. A healthy place, a perfect environment. And he told his creation to take care of the garden. Take care of the garden. It's the perfect environment. You're going to benefit from my environment if you'll take care of it and if you'll follow my instructions. He said, I want you to tend to it, cultivate it, keep it. Praise God. And we read verse after verse after verse concerning the earth. The Bible says the earth is full of God's goodness. It says he enriched the earth with the river of God. 
The Bible says the earth is full of his riches and full of his mercy. It also says that it's full of the knowledge of God. It's full of his praise and it's full of his glory. Amazing, isn't it? God made the earth, the environment good. He made it healthy. He made it safe. But we have read on. We now understand that because of decisions, the decision of Satan or the serpent, because of sin, because of separation, because of man, the earth, the environment has been changed. It's been altered. And you and I, especially who are adults, we now know and can testify that the earth, the world, is no longer a safe place. Can you survive? Obviously. But it's no longer a healthy environment. It's no longer a safe place. There's things that we now have to deal with that they didn't have to deal with prior to their sin. So life is much tougher, more challenges, more difficult, more resistance now in our environment. And of course, if we look at the social climate, the spirit, the attitude, the condition of our world I believe that we would all agree that we are living in an environment that is plagued with hatred, with violence, with evil, with greed, with lust, with abuses. And the list goes on and on and on. And because of that, because the environment has been changed, it's now a struggle to survive and navigate through these very perilous or dangerous times. We live in a hostile environment. If you don't know that, get on 95. Get on the turnpike. Get on military trail. Any road ragers out there? <laughs> I've had my moments. But God has forgiven me. And we won't go into those details. Someone say, thank God for the blood. <laughs> Hopefully it didn't happen on the way to church today. But if you're hungry and you're in a hurry, you may get a little moody. <laughs> People in our world no longer feel safe. That's why they lock their doors when they're going into the supermarket. That's why they lock their doors and put extra locks on their doors and on their windows. That's why they purchase guns, not because they just like to shoot things. Some do. I'm not going to call any names. <laughs> but people do not feel safe anymore because the environment is not safe. People are not safe. People will smile at you and rob you. Hello? Do you live in this world? 
People do not trust easily anymore. People do not have true peace anymore or a lively hope. Every day we see racism. We see bigotry. We see prideful exhibitions. We see manipulation. We see abuse. The sad reality is most, in most cases, people that abuse others don't even see it as abuse because they've been programmed to do it that way. You'd be amazed what the Lord can show you about himself so that you can understand how far away from him you really are and how much you're not like him. I'm talking to all of us. But every day we see so many negative things. The news, the media is constantly pumping it out. People are living in fear and they have anxiety and they're depressed and they feel hopeless and they're scared for their children because the other kids are bringing knives to school and guns to school. and Nobody's safe because the environment has been changed. God didn't change the environment, we did. Our decisions defiled and distorted. And according to Scripture, we now see lovers of their own selves. We see covetousness. We see boasters. We see the proud, the blasphemers, the disobedient to parents. Why? Because they're influenced by the environment. They're influenced every day by the environment that they're exposed to and that they drink from, especially through media. And they develop these attitudes and mindsets and beliefs. They're unthankful. They're unholy, unnatural, or without natural affection. Truth breakers, false accusers. Have you had contact with any of those type of people? False accusers? And they'll actually believe the worst about you. Sad. Incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then it goes on to talk about how religious they are. Religious formalists but they don't give place to the operation of the life of God, the power of God, the light of God. They deny the power of godliness. Psalms chapter 61, verse 2 and 3, David cries out in prayer. Because of the condition, because of the environment, because of the attitude of his surrounding, his society, he says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, and it's going to be overwhelmed. If it has not been overwhelmed already, it's only a matter of time. Get ready. But when he said, my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
It's not only higher than I, it's higher than the mountains. It's higher than the giants. It's higher than the powers, amen, that be. He says, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. (laughs) Obviously, David knew that he was safe in the arms of God. That he could pull away from everything and everyone and he could find safety with his God. He felt so safe with the Lord that he wanted to dwell in his house forever. He felt so safe that he said, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to inquire in his temple. Something about being in the house of God. A heavenly environment. An environment of the kingdom of God. Where the Lord is lifted up. Where there's peace that's perpetuated. It's like a city of refuge. Read about it in scripture. People would run to the cities of refuge. But David felt so safe that he said he maketh me doesn't mean he forced me. It doesn't mean he coerced me. It means he caused me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. There's something about the environment that projects and permeates from the shepherd. I feel so safe when I'm with him. And I feel so protected that I can let my guard down. I can lie down. Hallelujah, in green pastures. I can take a drink of the water that are still. David experienced that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. David said, I will both lay me down in peace and I will sleep. Why? Because thou, Lord, only maketh me to dwell in safety. I want you to just point your finger and say, he's safe. Tell yourself, I'm safe with him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, praise God. It's amazing how that when the Lord comes into a room, He can create an atmosphere, a climate, an environment that is safe and peaceable for all people. Isn't that amazing? I love that about Him. But the Bible continues in Psalms 48. It says, beautiful for situation. (laughs) The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. Someone shout, Mount Zion. The city of the great king. And God is known in her palaces for a refuge. What is it talking about? It's talking about the house of God. 
It's talking about the people of God. It's talking about the city where Jesus is the light. Hallelujah. It's talking about the city of God, the church, the body of Christ. There's joy there. There's beauty there. Why? Because the king reigns there. There's a beautiful environment. It's a safe place. It's a peaceable place. It's a place of refuge for all people if I can just get there. Now I understand that the church is called and empowered to be that beautiful place. Hallelujah. That beautiful place in the earth. Praise God. I understand that Jesus is the person of refuge. But I also now understand that the church is the place of refuge. The place where there's safety and peace and love and not oppression, not manipulation, not abuse, but the opposite. The church is supposed to be that beautiful place. Like a city of refuge. Consider with me a hospital. A nursing home. Many of us have been to those places. A rehabilitation center. A support group. A sanctuary for souls because all souls are wounded and are in need of a Savior. And the church is that beautiful place of refuge and safety and healing and love where people can come from the world and get healing and get rehabilitation and get restoration. Hallelujah. They can come into an environment that facilitates growth and development and transformation. And as the citizens of God's kingdom, God's city, Mount Zion, it is our responsibility as the called and chosen and stewards of God, it is our responsibility to take care of the garden take care of what God gave us and maintain a healthy environment not just for yourselves but for all people what are you saying? We need more than just lights and power. We need more than just decorations. We need more than sound. We need more than skilled musicians. We need more than good spokesmen. We need more than that. We need an environment that manifests the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the refuge. And it's our responsibility to receive, to cultivate, and to project a healthy environment utilizing the resources, the virtues, the gifts, the knowledge, the wisdom, the character, 
the ways of God. Hallelujah. Do you understand that if I put you in a hostile environment, it would affect you. Abusive, it would affect you. If I sent you to Antarctica, the North Pole, whatever, South, whatever, Greenland, where all the ice is. <laughs> Greenland, they should have named it Iceland. They should have named Iceland Greenland. <laughs> but if I sent you there, that environment would affect you. You wouldn't go to church as much because you're constantly trying to build a fire to stay warm. Because we don't work too good when we're freezing to death. The climate's just not suited for us. It's good for the penguins. It's good for the sea lions. But it's not good for me. So environment does matter. And I want to tell you, I want to shout it, I want to sing it, I want to scream it. There's more to an environment than just lights and smoke and stage appearance and ability and charisma and gifts. Now we welcome and we receive and we'll utilize all that. But we need to be the safest place on the planet. Where people come in and feel more peace than they've ever known before. More love than they've ever seen before. They receive more support, counsel, comfort, and consolation than they've received anywhere else. That's the safe environment that we can possess and project. Because the reality is this. The reality is this. People will not listen to you. They will not hear your message no matter how much from God it is. They will not hear it until they see a manifestation of Jesus Christ. In your life. Hallelujah. They won't hear the message until they see the manifestation of the messenger himself. What are you talking about? Look at Moses. Moses didn't get close enough to God until he saw a manifestation of God in a burning bush. It was the manifestation that got his attention. And then when his attention was arrested, he got a little closer. And then the messenger began to speak and say, I am that I am. Oh, what are you saying to the body of Christ? I'm saying to us that we need to manifest him if they're going to hear our message. It's not enough just to say I'm Pentecostal. I'm one God. It's not enough to talk in tongues. What are you projecting? What kind of environment are you projecting? I know you came out of abuse. I know you come out of all kinds of problems and situations. But what are you, let, what are you letting God do with you right now? 
Are you being committed to God and the process of transformation so that when you do exit these doors and you become visible to the community, they see him and not your problems? The world needs the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? They need to see a manifestation of God's character, God's quality, God's virtue, not just his ability. Because what are you going to do when you cast the devil out? How are you going to take care of them once they've received deliverance? The only way you're going to keep them around is if your environment is good, healthy, heavenly, and representing the Lord Jesus Christ. I know where I'm at. I know who I'm talking to. And I believe the Lord gave me an understanding that one reason why people don't want to hear what we have to say is because what we have manifested has not revealed the one true and living God. We've revealed our preferences and our problems. We've revealed our likes and our dislikes, our approvals and our disapprovals. And we're known for what we're against instead of what we're for. If all you're known for is what you're against and not who you're for, you've got a problem. And you're not going to be able to manifest something that the world is going to be attracted to. And if they're not attracted by your manifestation, they're not going to hear our message. We got to get the message to the people. Yes, we do. We have the message of deliverance. We have the message that will save and deliver and build their faith. But if they're ever going to hear the message, they got to see you first. If they're ever going to hear what you have to say, they have to see who you are. And the fruit that we bear is the environment that we project. So, brothers and sisters, what kind of environment are we projecting? What kind of environment, atmosphere, climate are we projecting? Does it drive people away? Or do we become a conduit? That God can use us to draw people unto himself. Oh God. Oh God. They won't hear us until after they've seen us. That's why when the man of God came to the temple, he said, look on us. I believe that we need to be visible in this world. We don't need to just be vocal. We need to be visible in our community. And what we need to manifest is not self, but Jesus Christ, because he is the perfect environment. He is the safe place. He is the refuge. He is the strong tower.
that we can run to. And if we can run to him, I think that others can run to him and find safety. Hallelujah. If you're glad today that you're in his environment, would you just give him thanks and praise? Oh, yes, indeed. What kind of environment do you project? Are you still stuck in the ways of the past? Do you still do things that carnality taught you to do? Are you still handling people the way carnality taught you to handle them? I say again, the fruit that you manifest is the environment that you project. And they're not going to get to the tree of life until they come into the environment that is conducive, where they feel safe, where they'll open their heart and hear what you have to say and who it is that's speaking through you. They got to come through the environment first. Tell somebody we are the environment. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are the communicators and the carriers of the gospel of truth, the grace of God, the love of God being our motivation. Not self-will. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I was praying, thinking, meditating recently about this when the Lord showed me this. That our world needs to see the kingdom of God manifest. We're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm telling you right now, this is the will of God for you and I. The will of God is for us to manifest the kingdom of God so that they would see him and hear the message of the king. Hallelujah. Our attitude matters. Our actions matter. Our approach matters. There's a difference between God being in your hand and you being in God's hand. When God is in your hand, then you're not going to project the right environment. But when you're in God's hand, He's going to make sure you project the right environment. Listen to me, listen to me. The responsibility of people conforming to the image of Christ, godliness and holiness is not your responsibility. Do you understand that? It's only our responsibility to be stewards of the manifold grace of God and communicators of the word that they need to hear and believe and obey. My God, our response to people, it matters. Our response to hostility and persecution our response to tribulation and trial and testing, it matters. 
it matters how you respond to those who persecute you. If you're not blessing those that persecute you, you're not projecting his environment. You're projecting your attitude. Does that make sense? If you and I aren't blessing those who persecute us, then we're not projecting the kingdom of God. We're projecting the kingdom of self-rule. I'm just teaching here today. I'm just talking a little bit today. I, I know this, this may not resonate with you, but it resonates with me because I know where it came from. I know who gave it to me. And I know, I believe at least on this level, what God is wanting to accomplish. God's looking for more than just a bunch of Pentecostal performers. He's looking for people that can project the kingdom of God into the earth. That where I go, the kingdom is manifest. The ki- what is the kingdom? Is it just the power to cast out devils and heal the sick? No, 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 no. It's more than that, my friend. It's the power of righteousness. It's the power of peace. It's the power, amen, to have joy in him and by him. Praise God. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 23, I'm going to try to wrap this up. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Because the reality is we can only project what we possess. We need to realize that we can possess what we have access to. Not only does the fruit of the Spirit help you in your relationship with God, but it also helps you in your relationship with people. Could you imagine how healthy of an environment that you would create, that you would project if you projected The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against there is no law. Imagine, imagine a person that could perpetuate that kind of environment. Tell me who don't like love. Tell me who don't like joy. Tell me who gets turned off by peace by long-suffering, by meekness, by temperance, by goodness, by gentleness, by faith. Tell me who gets turned off by that. I I don't know many people. I don't know very many people that get turned off by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Because if you're going to give them the seed, you got to give them the fruit first. When you go to a store and you look, you know, on those uh, shelves, you're not looking for the best. People aren't looking for your seed. They're looking for your fruit. And if they taste your fruit, we'll be able to drop the seed in their soil. This is the year of evangelism. This is the year of soul winning. And this is a, a major component in us becoming effective.
got to be more than just communicators of the word. We've got to be demonstrators of the spirit. Could somebody just help me and wave a hand and say, I hear you. We've got to be more than just communicators of the word. We've got to be demonstrators of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit. I've read it. That's the environment that we create, that we project. That means the distorted, the abused, the oppressed, those that feel intimidated and inferior, those with major problems since their childhood that has crippled them emotionally, mentally, and socially. They need to come into an environment, a sanctuary where they can be nursed back to proper health. That is us. That's us. It's all right. I'm not preaching for an applause. I'm preaching because I know who gave me the word to preach. It's up to you whether you receive it or not. Growth is your responsibility. Change is your responsibility. Transformation is your responsibility. Being conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ is your responsibility. He gives us the power to become the sons of God. He doesn't force it. But he gives you the power to become. If you want to become a son of God in manifestation, would you just lift those hands to him? Let him infuse you with knowledge and wisdom and grace and counsel. Let him impart to you his very nature. And I pray that we make a decision to partake of everything God provides so that we can become like him. What are you talking about? Sons of God, what are you talking about? What, what is a son of God manifest? You, you want me to just break it down for you? It means we manifest the perfect submission of humanity to deity, where deity flows through humanity. That is the manifestation of the sons of God. Until then, we're just Pentecostals having a good time. God is looking for a son that he can manifest himself through. For who? For the world to see Jesus. Does environment matter? Does attitude and approach matter? Does it matter? Does it matter? Does it matter? Does it matter what kind of environment you project? Hmm? Does it matter? I sure hope that we're convinced. Paul said, I beseech you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, he projected an environment of humility and servitude and lowliness. Sounds like Jesus to me. 
it sounds like he projected Jesus Christ because there's no one as meek and lowly as him. Jesus said, I'm meek and I'm lowly and you're going to find rest for your soul. That's what we're supposed to be providing and projecting. I come to you in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And when I'm with you, when I'm among you, I'm base. But when I'm absent from you, I'm bold. You know, because I'm just writing a letter. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 2. Music, please come. First Thessalonians 2. You see, there was a change. A change in Paul. He didn't just have the message. <laughs> he had God manifest in him so that he could project the environment that people can see the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, but we were gentle among you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. 2 Timothy 2, 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, must not quarrel, argue, combat. That means we're not striking, we're not hitting. We're not retaliating because when we do that, we project an environment that is hostile and offensive and abrasive and repels people that need to hear the message. The servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men. When's the last time you looked into the mirror of the Word of God and let the Word of God tell you your condition, your attitude, your approach? Assess me. Help me see me through the revelation of the knowledge of God and determine whether or not I'm walking in the Word to see whether or not I exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Not just the Word, but the fruit. Be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient. Meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If you exhibit a spirit of superiority, you're not projecting God's kingdom or the fruit of the Spirit. If you project the spirit of self-righteousness and conceit and arrogance and know-it-all, then you have not projected His environment. You've only projected yours. And they're not. Now some of them don't care. Some of them can have church in a desert by a catfish pond. It doesn't matter. Some people don't care. The hardcore, they don't care about environment. We can have, we can have church 
in a cafeteria. We don't care. <laughs> but we're not just dealing with each other. We're dealing with a world. And we need to be the environment that God says, this is good. I like this. I can trust the lost to come in. I can trust the, that soul that's been raped and molested and abused. I can trust them to come in into the sanctuary where wounds are healed, where there's respect, where the children are loved, where there's no bullying, no bullying, not even a hint. That we don't project a spirit that causes others to feel intimidated or inferior. Now, I'm not saying that that can't happen because that can happen and, and, and it not be your fault. But I don't want people to be more afraid of me than they do God. If people are more afraid of you than Him, then you've projected something that's not Him. Does that make sense? And if your wife is scared of you and intimidated by you, man of God, you have not projected the environment of Christ. Let's all stand. I don't even know why I said that. We're not in this world to scare people, to intimidate people. And to cause people to feel inferior. No, 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 no. We're here to reveal Jesus Christ, the lover of every soul. Does this help your Christianity? Is this inspiring, encouraging, challenging you? to assess your life, your attitude, your approach, your actions, to determine whether or not you're creating, you're projecting an environment that represents God and His goodness, the fruit of the Spirit and the kingdom of God. I want, I, I want to tell you something. The, the world's not coming to church. It was never meant to be. It was meant to be the church is going to the world. That's the order. We want to bring them into our environment, but God is saying you're the environment that the world needs. You're the refuge that the world needs because I'm in you. So here's the sobering reality. Everybody's not coming to church, but the church can go to everybody. Do you hear me? The whole world, they're not coming to church. But oh God, may the whole church go to the whole world and show them the environment of the kingdom of God so that their situation can be beautified. Huh. Speak evil of no man. 
whether you voted for him or not. Speak evil of no man. That man is somebody's daddy. That man is somebody God's trying to save. And whether you agree or disagree with people, don't speak evil of them. The Bible tells us that first of all, there should be prayers and intercession for all men, especially for those in authority. They need to look at us and see the environment of the kingdom of God, the environment that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just what you say, it's what you are. That's what makes a difference. Don't speak evil of no man. Don't brawl, but be gentle. Showing, that means demonstrating all meekness unto all men. Unto all men. We're done. We're done. We're done. The environment. Pastor on Wednesday night's been talking about abiding in the vine. Allowing the word of God to abide in us. That you bring forth much fruit. Because the reality is they're going to see the fruit before they see the seed. That's right. So what do they see when they look at your fruit? Because, listen, they're going to judge your environment by the fruit that you produce. Does that make sense, Brother Hanson? People are going to judge the environment that you claim to dwell in. They're going to make that judgment based on the fruit of your life. And they're going to make decisions based on what they see. Their perception may be skewed, but the reality is they're going to make decisions based on their perception of you. I don't know how you feel, but this has arrested my attention. This has captured my thoughts, my mind, my spirit. And I feel the Holy Ghost is drawing us unto Himself. Because I realize that the more time I spend with Him, when I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, I project an environment that gives glory to the King of Mount Zion. If you're honest with yourself and you know you've got room to grow, will you just lift your hands and your voice and cry out unto the Lord? Listen, there's more to winning souls than just bringing them to church. People have to be discipled. And you're not going to disciple people if they don't like your environment. That means God's got to work on us so that we become safe people. We become healthy people. 
Hallelujah. So that we perpetuate the kingdom and the fruit of the spirit that we possess. Let's sing together a song as the Lord really helps us right now over the next few moments. Hallelujah. Come on. Learn to create the environment of the kingdom of God by letting the king reign in and through you. Hallelujah. Every time you visit with somebody, every time you attend a funeral, every time you go to the grocery store, every time you teach a class, be responsible and create the environment that people feel safe 